are Around Our Schools, a monthly program that informs about educational programs and projects. My name is Sarah Meyer. Margaret Fremuth controls the technical end of our interviews. Today we will visit with three faculty from Clatsop Community College and learn about their work and the kinds of AA degrees available at Clatsop Community College. Tina Toyas, Dean of Transfer Education and PE Instructor, Julie Brown, Communications Instructor, and Pat Keith, Science Instructor. Will you tell us about yourself and how you came to the college? Tina? Hello, I'm Tina Toyas. I'm uh, currently Dean of Transfer Education and I also am an adjunct faculty. I was um, full-time health and physical education faculty for uh, 20 years at Clatsop Community College and before that time I also was an adjunct faculty in health and physical education and I also served in the mid-1980s in the uh, community education um, department as a education coordinator. And I moved here in the mid-80s and I was uh, single and just had finished my graduate degree and I wanted to do something different. So I came to Oregon, applied for a few jobs and the first job that I applied for here, I received and that's kind of how I started into the culture. Great, Julie. Um, I'm an Oregonian. My family goes back five generations in Oregon, and I'm very proud of that. My first job teaching out of college was teaching at a high school in Portland, and I enjoyed that, but it didn't feel like the perfect fit for me. So I went back to school and got my master's and my PhD and became a university professor on the East Coast. And that was a pretty good fit for teaching, but I, I didn't like living so far away from Oregon. So. When my twins were born in 1994, I decided I wanted to get back to Oregon and I didn't care where I landed. The job at Clatsop Community College was open and I didn't realize at the time what a perfect fit it was going to be for me. I just saw it as a way to come back home to Oregon. I've been here for 26 years and I absolutely love teaching here. I teach a wide variety of classes. I've been involved in different activities around the community and around our state. Um, I think that the students that we have here have a real hunger for learning that makes it such a pleasure to walk into a, the classroom. And I also feel that this lower Columbia area is very supportive of education and of teachers. So I, I feel incredibly lucky that this has been such a great teaching opportunity for me. Thank you. Pat? Well, I uh, graduated from Portland State um, University uh, with a master's degree in physics. And I was working part-time at Clark College, and I needed a little bit more work. So I, I came to Astoria and interviewed with Dave Kruger. And after that, we went to the Columbian Cafe, and it was so much fun. Um, so I started working here, and it was a little dismal. Uh, my office was the storeroom, and there was an electric typewriter. And I looked at that, and hmm, that's interesting. And, uh, but the physics lab had some really good equipment from the 1970s, so it was, it was interesting. And I thought, oh, I'll be here for a few years, and then I'll move on, and it just got better. Um, I got a National Science Foundation grant to get some computers for students, and that was a kick, and that was right when the computers really started coming out, and it totally changed the way we taught physics. Instead of lecturing, 
and telling students the way their world worked, we were able to give them the tools they needed, and they would tell us how the world worked. And uh, every year I think, well, I'll be here for a little bit longer, but then it just kept getting better. Uh, and now it's wonderful. We started with these old dilapidated buildings that were 100 years old, and now we've got these renovated buildings and a fantastic gym, and it just keeps getting better and better. Uh, just like Astoria. Astoria was pretty run down. Uh, a, the plywood mill was a toxic waste site, and now it's beautiful. So that's really part of why I'm here also, is it just it keeps getting better. So I'd like you to tell us about the classes that you teach and other responsibilities that you have on campus. And we'll start with Tina. Well, when I was a health and physical educator, I taught a variety of classes. I taught volleyball, basketball, Pilates, dance fitness, racket sports, um, personal fitness, weight training, cross training, uh, health and fitness for life. Um, so I was very much a generalist. And um, I, I know when I interviewed back in the 1990s, I told the committee that you will not find anyone that's more qualified to teach the variety of subjects that I teach in health and physical education. Um, I was a two-sport athlete in college and tennis and basketball, so, and I also refereed three sports. So that gave me a very good background um, in that area. Um, we've really come um, a very long way in our health and physical education department. As Pat had mentioned, we have a beautiful facility a state-of-the-art uh, Patriot Hall that really um, offers our community and our students a, a wonderful place to work out, a wonderful place to help enhance their health and wellness. Um, and it has a, the full weight room, the full uh, cardio room with all the other amenities that um, we're hoping that people, once COVID is over, will come back and, and take advantage of. Um, we're hoping to expand uh, into some other courses. We try to look at our curriculum every year to make sure that we're staying uh, with what's current. And we look at trends, because obviously in fitness and health, there are a lot of trends. So we try to look at that as well and adapt our classes um, to that. So um, I also am Dean of Transfer Education. Uh, that job in and of itself is a challenge. I um, oversee our lower division transfer faculty with also our Vice President of Academic Affairs, Peter Williams. I schedule all the classes for lower division transfer. I, I evaluate all the lower division transfer adjunct faculty um, on a rotating basis, um, and then just do a number of other things. I serve on the President's Cabinet, um, do other things that are asked, so just a plethora of different jobs. Yes. Incredible. Pat, um, you want to tell us about what you teach? Yeah, I teach um, physics and physical science. Um, I really expanded a lot. One of the things that really changed um, was Rochester Trust. Uh, Rochester lived here in the 70s, was the meteorologist when there was a weather station out at the airport. And he left his estate to the college to establish a meteorology program. And physics is the academic home of meteorology. And that uh, allowed me to have computers and equipment to completely change the way I teach. So I teach um, a lot of physical science classes, um, physics, meteorology, 
atmospheric phenomena and geology. Now, those are for non-science majors, and they're wonderful courses for students who want to be teachers. And I think uh, the, the best part for me is that students get to be the scientists, and they're the ones who are actively engaged in talking with their group and doing the experiments, and they're the ones who tell me the way the world works. I also teach a physics with calculus class that's for the pretty hard science uh, students interested in engineering, computer science, physics, and chemistry. And I teach um, a year-long sequence of general physics that's mainly targeted to the allied health majors, those who want to do pre-med or veterinarian dentistry, physical therapy, and occupational therapy. Uh, and it's just a, a hoot to hear back from students who have left here, gone on and got a bachelor's degree, and then are entering graduate, student, uh, graduate school. Uh, I just got an email from a student who is entering a PhD program in biophysics. And I'm really proud of Ollie, who is about to get his master's in physical therapy. And uh, it's, it's hard because it, there's this gap. You don't hear from him for three or four years. And then you hear back, and it's really fun. Great. Are you required to go back to additional training through other universities? Or uh, do you do that because you have that drive and interest? And, and what might that be? I have a, an MFA, a master's degree in writing, and a PhD in literature. So in terms of education, I've, I've gone as far as I can go and wouldn't be asked or expected to take any classes beyond that. But because I love learning so much for its own sake and because I know it makes me a better teacher, I have continued my education and I've had some pretty uh, wonderful opportunities. I won a National Endowment for the Humanities Fellowship so that I could go to Oxford University in England and study medieval literature, which gave me access to some of the most beautiful, oldest books in the world that I got to hold and, and read and study. Another summer, I got a scholarship to attend the University of Cambridge, also in England, where I studied Shakespeare intensively for one summer. When my students complain about how much homework I give them, I tell them, you don't, you don't know what homework is. At, at Cambridge, they sent a, a list of 34 books that I had to read before day one, 34 bo different books to read before the class even started. It's very intense. Another summer, um, I went to the University of Paris, um, which is called the Sorbonne, and I studied French literature in French, which was very exciting for me. Um, when it comes to my, my maritime culture class, I, I realized that I wanted to have the hands-on experience that I couldn't get out of books, and so I signed up for a maritime program where I got training to be a deckhand, and I um, I am a trained deckhand, and I work on the Lady Washington, which is our beautiful tall ship that comes to Astoria twice a year. And I've sailed on that boat from British Columbia all the way to San Diego. So when I talk to the students about what it's like to live on a sailing ship, I, I'm able to speak from experience now because I had that, that opportunity. Um, when I'm not able to go to school, I'm just reading all the time. I, I go to the library, I go to Powell's Books in Portland, and I come home with a big shopping bag, and I just devour books. Um, I try to instill that love of reading into my students as well. Pat, do you have any thoughts about what goes on in your head beyond the classroom? I mainly get my, uh, you know, keep my education up by going to conferences with other physics teachers, and 
It's been so much fun over the past 30 years to go from electric typewriters to all these computers. Uh, so I went to what was referred to as boot camp for physics instructors and really got uh, an introduction to what we could do with computers and data acquisition. And that uh, allowed me to apply for a National Science Foundation grant that I got and I started with computers. And one of the first things that was so much fun was using videos to film just simple motion. And then we could analyze those movies frame by frame. And so we had a way of keeping track of time and position in, in two dimensions. Uh, but those early days, we were using a VHS camera that we would have to frame by frame load onto a computer. And they were so big, relatively speaking, that they were too big for floppy drives. And uh, uh, a tremendous amount of, of education that I've gone through is learning how to set up these computers, how to network them. And it's been so much fun. When I started, my students uh, didn't walk around with any, any equipment. Now all my students come to class prepared with calculators, stopwatches, and their own camera, make their own movies, load them up on the computer instantly, and analyze the, the motion frame by frame. So that's been a real kick. Um, and then these conferences are really fun. So not only do I learn a new piece of, of information, but I also share uh, two main things that I share with my, my colleagues um, uh, is an energy policy and ROV. So ROV stands for Remotely Operated Vehicles. And a couple times a year, I go around to different national meetings and put on a workshop with my good friend Greg Mulder from Len Benton Community College and help other teachers learn how to help their students learn to build ROVs. That's great. Tina, do you want to talk? Sure. Um, I always want to talk. So um, I like Pat when I uh, took the full-time job, even before I was teaching part-time, as you well know, Patriot Hall was an aging building. And I remember when I first uh, started teaching dance fitness, I used a boom box uh, with cassette tapes uh, for my music, which now all you have to do is plug in your uh, cell phone. You've got your uh, Pandora or whatever, and you've got your um, playlist, and you go right into it, and you've got great speakers and everything else. We've come a long way, like Pat said. Um, we had the tiny little gym, no, no seats. We had a, a weight room that was like a 40 by 40 with just Nautilus weight equipment. So what we have now is amazing. And like Pat and Julie, I've gone to conferences. We have a Oregon State Conference for physical educators and health educators for higher education. I go to, I try to go to, and actually I still go to as a dean uh, every year. Um, and that's been very, very, uh, so much information from that because you not only learn from your colleagues, you learn uh, new, new trends, um, new equipment, um, all kinds of things. I always made it a goal to try to go to, to at least one type of training or type of conference every year. Our, our faculty have a great um, opportunity with their faculty development funds to do that. And so just keeping, just reading like Julie said, keeping abreast of everything that's going on in your profession and in education as well. Uh, it's been a great opportunity. It's just incredible the amount of learning and sharing that the faculty has at Clatsop Community College. It's just like, this is the place to be, folks. So Clatsop is working on several areas that we'll see the college into the future. And now I'd like you to share what is happening with a program called Pathways, 
and why it is important. And that's going to be Tina. Okay. So Pathways is something that's um, caught on nationwide. Um, it's first, some of the, the pioneer schools um, in Tennessee, Cleveland State uh, Community College in Tennessee was one of the pioneers with Pathways. Um, Lynn Benton in Oregon is actually a very, um, they've done a great job getting theirs implemented. Uh, Pathways is a, more of a concept of taking uh, different degree areas and putting them into um, some more of a path that students can follow. And so they don't necessarily have to take um, empty co courses that don't mean anything toward their degree. If they're undecided about a degree, then we'll put them in more in the fundamental skills that will count for any area that they would like to go into. It's, we're trying to help students not have credits that are not going to be useful for them. So we're trying to uh, in, decrease the amount of money that they're going to have to, to um, put to, to spend to get a degree. We're trying to decrease the amount of time that they're going to have to spend in education. Uh, we're, we're trying to give them more advising. We're trying to give them more help um, so that they don't have to take as many courses. And uh, for instance, with math, right now we're going into something called co-requisite math, where we're going to, um, normally a student would come in and if they would test into math 60, they would have to take at least three other courses before they would be able to go into a 100 level math class that would be a transferable class. But now we're going to start this fall. Uh, we're going to have two co-requisite math courses, one for math 111 and one for math 105. And those students will register for those 100 level courses, but they will also have a one credit course that they'll register for that will help them um, tutor them basically to be ready for that 100 level course. And so we're looking at economics, we're looking at timelines, we're looking at all kinds of other factors with pathways. Um, being a smaller school, we have to be a little bit more open to where we're going to go with some of the different electives and just exactly how many pathways we can have. Uh, we hope to implement those pathways uh, by next year, next fall, and have those up and going um, for our college. Thank you. So at a community college, we teach classes in the 100 and 200 credited categories. How do students know what is transferable to four-year schools? And this kind of will feed into the pathways. And do we have transfer guarantees? And I'm going to give that to Julie. We have had problems in the past, not just Clatsop Community College, but the Oregon higher education system, of every school kind of doing their own thing, which means that students from any community college in Oregon transferring to any university had problems. Maybe this class transfers, this one doesn't. This one's too many credits, this one's not enough. This one covers too much information, this one doesn't cover enough. I met a woman who was a professor from Michigan and she said, it's like the Wild West out here. Everybody does their own thing and nothing matches. So understanding what a hardship that is for the students, Oregon legislature passed a law 
So it's not just a good idea, and it's not a recommendation. They passed a law saying that we had to work together as a group to make sure that students could easily and seamlessly transfer from the community college to the university. And I was part of the first group that was assigned the task of working on that, which was in the area of literature. And so over a two-year period, I met every month with all of the community college teachers and all of the university teachers, or one from each school, to talk about Okay, what do you do in your Shakespeare class? This is what we do in ours. How many credits is yours? How many credits is ours? It took a lot of discussion and cooperation and a lot of give and take. So I can tell you now with confidence that any class that a student takes here at Clatsop Community College in the area of literature definitely will transfer to any university in Oregon. It will have the right number of credits. It will cover the right material. They won't end up with a class that doesn't transfer. They won't end up missing a class. And, and I appreciate the fact that a law had to be passed to force us to work together because academics can be very territorial and don't like to be told by someone else what to do in our classrooms. And this forced us to put the needs of the students first. So now uh, biology, education, and some other areas are following up this process of alignment to make sure that everything aligns for the students' sake. So it's, it's about time it happened, and it's a good thing. Thank you. Anyone else want to comment on that? The other MTMs that are in works right now, uh, like Julie said, the biology, the literature uh, business uh, is in the works right now as well. Psychology uh, and uh, the elementary education is actually a degree. It's not an, it is an MTM, but it's actually a degree that you can actually uh, receive a two-year degree um, and then transfer into the programs with that. And then they're also looking at the other areas of what are the most popular majors, and that's how they decide on which MTMs to go forward with first. All right, Julie, if you have a student who wants to become an English teacher or a writer, what classes and support does he or she get from you? How are students helped in their decision-making efforts? I think it starts with advising. At Clatsop Community College, all students are assigned a permanent advisor who stays with them through their educational journey. And so we have the opportunity to sit down and visit with them once every term to assess what their career plan might be, what their educational goals are, what their life circumstances are, and how we can best serve them. And I don't think that students at a university get that much hands-on advising as we're able to give here. We offer all of the literature and writing classes that you would need to start your journey as a professional writer or a teacher. And our classes are very small, so we get to know our students very well. We're able to work with their learning differences and make sure that they're successful. All of the classes that we teach here are transferable to a university, as I said earlier. When we get to know our students so well through the smaller classes and through advising, we're able to give them very good advice about where they need to go next. We can also nominate them for scholarships and help them with that. One of my students in the past, Jan Nuremberg, got a $100,000 scholarship, which enabled her to get her bachelor's, her master's, and her PhD in writing, and she's now a well-known published author. We give them hands-on experience, for example, working on the Rain Magazine staff, volunteering with the Fisher Poets Gathering. 
We have cooperative work experience projects that will allow them perhaps to work for a newspaper or something to gain some work, work experience. Um, we give them experience working in their community. So as an example, I've taken my students to Clatsop Care Home to read poems to elderly people. I've taken them to a local kindergarten to read picture books to little kids. I've taken them to a fifth grade classroom where we did puppet shows of Shakespeare plays. So giving, giving them a chance to, um, to do some activities that they can put on their resume so that when they're competing with students around the state for a job, they have some solid things to put on their resume. I've had students in my technical writing class do grant writing as their project, and some of them have been able to get grants to fund local nonprofits. I've had students in an advanced writing class do research on Astoria's history and publish their articles in Comtex magazine. So I think a student who leaves Clatsop and heads for perhaps U of O or Southern Oregon to finish their credentials in writing or teaching English are, are very well equipped for success, and so this is a good place to start. Pat, can you tell us about the robotics programs and clubs and other exciting science-related activities that help students? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun over the years uh, having students. Uh, so I, I think one of the best things about Class Up Community College is I can say with confidence that we have the best physics lab in the state. <laughs> uh, we have all kinds of equipment. Uh, a student moved, uh, graduated from here, went to Portland State University and in his advanced electronics class, they were talking about an apparatus that was used to measure the mass of an electron. And they were just talking about it and he realized, oh, that's the lab we did. We had that at Clatsop Community College. Another student of mine had an internship with Noah and he emailed me back and said, wow, what I'm doing here is exactly what we did in your class every single day. That I'm on this ship collecting data putting it into a spreadsheet, analyzing that data, and trying to draw some conclusions about it. And so the, the opportunities here for small classes with the best equipment uh, is just wonderful. Um, on, a, on a kind of what I've done on the side, not part of my class, not part of anything, is a robotics club where we compete uh, in an international uh, competition to build remotely operated underwater vehicles um, and there's, this is a, a fun task to build these. And then the competition is to simulate some type of task that an underwater vehicle would have to do. Um, usually it's collecting a sample or measuring the temperature of maybe a, a volcanic vent or uh, uh, opening doors uh, to maintain oil rig um, facilities. So you have, to, you have to build a robot that you can... Um, operate, maneuver, uh, sometimes go into small openings, pick up things, move them around. And it's a great challenge for my students. Uh, we usually, uh, in the early days, we were competing with a lot of big schools and we were always proud that we always beat MIT. With a tiny, uh, tiny budget. But it, was, it, was, uh, it, it just led really well. My students in their classes aren't being lectured to. And so the idea that uh, Every day I ask the questions and they come up with the answers, fit right into this competition, that it was a natural fit for our students to, oh, I'm the one who solves the problem, and I'm the one who has to come up with the solution, and I'm the one who needs to design this. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Very. 
So Tina, is there something available for high school students this summer? Uh, yes, so this summer, um, thanks to some collaboration with the president and other members of our staff, we are going to allow uh, one free class of, of tuition, so one free class with tuition uh, waived for high school juniors and seniors of our local area. And so they can um, get in touch with Ben Polanski, who is our admissions uh, personnel and student services. And I know that the high school counselors and principals are aware of this opportunity and they are working students uh, with students to make sure that they know about the opportunity. And I do know that there are already students that are registering and taking advantage of the opportunity. Fantastic. This has been so great and informative. Can we continue this next month and talk about how an AA degree at Clatsop Community College is such a plus for transferring to a four-year institution? We ran out of time, so next month we can talk about how students can earn that bachelor's degree while staying home and working through the college. So many possibilities, so much more cost-effective. Thank you, Tina Toyas, Pat Keith, and Julie Brown for being with us today. This interview and our past programs can be heard by going to the KMUN website and clicking on the podcast around our schools. KMUN is such a good community resource. Margaret Fremuth and Sarah Meyer wish you health and peace. And we want to remind you of the Astoria School District Resource Fair happening Saturday, May 15th from 1 to 4 at the CMH Field off Williamport Road. <music>